Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everybody is well. And this week, this is a bit of a special episode. Because this week I am joined by Sean Connolly of Spook Show Studios. And Sean was kind enough to talk to me about his uh, new adventure game and his studio that he is creating, which is an interface which will allow just about anybody to make their own adventure game, even if they don't have much experience with programming or coding. Um, So he's wants just about anybody to be able to make their own adventure game. Now, he did say that this is not ready yet, but uh, he's working very hard on it. So uh, he spoke to me about the interface of the software, what his objectives are, how exactly we'll be able to uh, make our own adventure game, uh, what his future plans are, and much, much more. So uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Sean Conley of Spook Show Studio. Please enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. This week, I am joined by Sean Connolly. I'm uh, really looking forward to finding out about what you're up to, because you are working, as well as on a game, you're working on a software where people can make a, their own adventure games. So, looking forward to finding out more about that. But first, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself, Sean, and let us know what your favorite adventure games are. Uh, yeah, so... I'm building a game called Spook Show Studio, and the idea is that if you've ever played Mario Maker, that's kind of where my inspiration is, but the idea is instead of making Mario levels, you're making adventure games, point-and-click games, Um, and I want to be able to uh, ship it with a bunch of adventure games included, so it's both a tool for editing and sharing, but I also want to, you know... uh, include i don't i don't know what the final number will be it'll be something like 10 or or 15 uh small little point and click games that go along with it um yeah that's the basic idea um as far as my favorite adventure game goes so i've been thinking about this this is a hard question um (laughs) i like um so uh king's quest 6 is my has to be my answer because that game is what got me into adventure games um so a long time ago um, when I was young, I got into King's Quest VI, and I bought the King's Quest collection. Back then, it was King's Quest One through through King's Quest VI on one CD-ROM, and I played through. Uh, I don't I, most of them I didn't beat. I don't think they're actually pretty hard games. But King's mm-hmm. Quest VI I played through, and I absolutely loved it. The boy, the one I had had the voice acting, and it was just um, everything about it was great. The animation was great, the story was great. I really loved it. Um, but there's a bunch of adventure games that I like too. So. I don't want to just say King's Quest VI. Um, Day of the Tentacle was another one that was high on my list. Um, Day of the Tentacle was just beautifully animated, just a hilarious story, and again, great voice acting. And I really loved the puzzles in um, Day of the Tentacle. I thought their puzzles were very clever and um, never really they never really felt unfair, and it was just really um, just a very unique game. And they recent, uh, I think maybe like a year ago, or maybe it was two years ago, they released it on uh, iOS. They did a re-release, like a HD remaster. And I played through a lot of it again. And it was 
it was uh, really cool. Um, to unfortunately, I remembered a lot of the puzzles, so I didn't get the new experience, you know, trying to solve them. Right. Again. It was so memorable the first time that I was, oh yeah, I remember how to do this, and but it was still it was great to go through that. Yeah, no, good choices. I mean, as you mentioned, the King's Quest games are still difficult, and I would say a lot of Sierra games that they would be difficult for different various reasons. Um, but yeah, King Quest Six, I think most people would agree that it's the best of the series. That's yeah. uh, just just a, I mean, again, it's no coincidence that Jane Jensen worked on that game. So again, it kind of I think increased the quality of the mm. game. And uh, and yeah, then Day of the Tentacle was yeah, I remember play, playing that as well. That it's again puzzles as you mentioned were very clever, especially with the different time periods. Um, yeah, that's you, great. You know, you have to use one object, which will then be used in the future or in the past. And it was like, I was just wondering, just how do you come up with these puzzles? How do you? Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I would be able to come up with that. And, oh, yeah, but, it was genius. I loved it. You'd, you'd do something like chop down a tree in the past and then it would be yes. gone in the future. And yeah, it was, it was great. Yes, because a lot of puzzles back in the games in the early 90s and you know, late 80s, again, they were just starting off, but a lot of the puzzles were kind of more obtuse and oh, yeah. more illogical. Yeah. That I think a lot of people would, would agree with, with that. But in Day of the Tentacle, it, I mean, it's challenging, especially if you're playing through it for the first time, but they do seem to make sense still. Like you go, oh, yeah, like you don't, I never felt, oh, I, I never would have got that. Right. I don't know how, yeah. but it was like, Oh, this is very clever. Yeah. And um, now there, there are other games, even to now, that do have some, uh, how do you say, weird puzzles. But I think that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. I really uh, don't think too many uh, modern adventure games. I really should. I just don't have the time. But um, right. I, was, I was trying to think of some of the more modern ones. Now, um, I did play through uh, Mechanarium, which came out. That was maybe, what was that, like six or seven years ago? Um, Something like that, yeah. And that was a great game. I love that game. I love the um, the storytelling. They didn't use any text. It was all animations. And I thought the puzzles were, the, the characters really interesting. The puzzles were really good. Um, and then The Witness I played through, which, you know, is that an adventure game? I don't know. But um, I really enjoyed The Witness. That that was something I put a lot of hours into. Um, sure, so those yeah. are sort of the, more, the more recent ones I can think of that I, that I actually played through. But I really, I'm, listening to your podcast i'm sort of learning um of all the other ones that are you know that are out there and being developed so it's so i'm probably gonna have to pick up a couple just to see where you know where what people are up to and what people are doing yeah there's actually a huge amount of adventure games available now because a lot of people still think that oh the adventure game genre is dead and oh why why aren't there any more adventure games and i could tell them actually there's a huge amount of adventure games right now again as you mentioned, maybe don't have much time, but there, there are still belief in last year, 2019, there was about a uh, hundred and eighty adventure games that adventure right. game was listed that were released, and a lot of them were very good, because again, since I started doing the podcast and when I'm reviewing games as well, and they're actually quite good. You know, there's no game that I've come across that is. I mean, some of them do have issues, but there's no game that I've come across that is like, oh, it's really bad, it's really illogical. It's right. poorly made. Now, again, the, you know, the production values mightn't be as high as, say, during the LucasArts and maybe Sierra era, but that's because it was one or two people working on the games. Right. 
So, but yeah, that's um, it's it's a lot of good games. And when I first started the podcast, I thought naively that I could go through all the adventure games released, but that's just impossible now. yeah it's interesting that like i wonder why like adventure games do have this like stigma that they're dead or something but i mean you're totally right i mean i see them everywhere now especially Mm -hmm. on twitter i follow all these accounts i mean they're everywhere Uh so i don't know why that stigma i don't know why that stigma still exists um now i don't think it's as big a market as maybe first person shooters or something like that right but so what i mean who cares if there's there's lots of people who love these games and um you know I, i think it's I don't, I don't, I don't understand why that stigma still exists to me personally. I mean, maybe, maybe that was like, you know, in the two thousands that made more sense where people were kind of getting over um, the obtuse puzzles. But at, at this point, that was a long time ago. I mean, at this point it seems flourishing in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. No, we say in the podcast that this is the second golden age of adventure games because there are some really good games that I believe are just as good, if not better than a lot of adventure games released in the, first golden age and 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 again a lot like a lot of these are really good and there's quite a few of them so it's uh you know we 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 always have a lot to talk about on the podcast anyway when we review adventure games it's it's, which which is really really good because i really wasn't expecting it when i started but no absolutely it's not you know shall we say maybe flourishing like first person shooters and i always say that the podcast own numbers would probably be higher, at least beginning, if I call it the Call of Duty podcast. Oh, right. But, yes. <laughs> but then people would realize, oh, he actually doesn't know anything about Call of Duty. So, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good time, I think, because also with the with conferences now, there are several adventure and narrative game conferences around the world. There's, of course, Adventure X in London. Then there's a new conference, Narrowscope, in the U.S., and it was wordplay in Canada, and they're all mm. flourishing as well. Adventure X was sold out in like seven hours. Oh wow! And Narrowscope as well, I believe, sold out, and there are a lot of people there. And also with interactive fiction, you know, more so with text adventures, and they had a quite a large, passionate community as well. So uh, they are not dead at adventure games; they are very much alive. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> which is yeah. really, really. Uh, great, which is good for this podcast and good for you as well, because um, you mentioned you were working on um, a software called Spook Show Studio, and you want to have some adventure games there as well. So first of all, how did you come up with this idea of not just creating an adventure game, but creating a an adventure game studio, if you will? How um, did you come up with that idea? Yeah, so it's, it's really... Um... This has been a hobby project of mine, like the idea of creating an adventure game. That's been something I've been interested in since I was young, a little, you know, uh, 14 years old or 15 years old. So, I I mean, I could go way far back and, you know, look at all my notes and, and, you know, and see the the bubblings of uh, different ideas. And um, but really for for this particular project, um, it started maybe um, uh, maybe three or four years ago. Um, I actually. there's a previous uh, a story previous to this where I sold all my possessions and I um, built out a camper van and I traveled the United States in a camper van and um, quit work and I had I lived off of savings and my goal was to create um, uh, an indie game and hopefully change careers and you know now I do web development and I was hoping to switch to doing indie game development um, so I did that for about two and a half years I was on the road just traveling around and working on my um, 
different indie game projects, but um, none of them came to fruition, unfortunately. And I ran out of savings and I had to, you know, come back to the land of the living and uh, get a job again. And so um, I sort of uh, started reevaluating that um, and thinking like, okay, what, what am I most proud of during, you know, when I reflect on that two and a half years when I was on the road, what, what sort of projects am, am I the most proud of? And for a, for a small stretch, I was um, creating games for, I was challenging myself to create a new game every five days. Um, so I wow. did this for, for, so this is like, this is similar to like game jams. I don't know if you've ever heard of, you know, game jams right, where yes, you have yes. 48 hours to create a game. So time limits really helped me with, uh, you know, getting a lot of focus. So I, cr- in one of those stretches, I created a point and click game um, called As Luck May Have It. And that's freely available on my website. Anyone can go play it um, if they want to. It's a very low resolution. The graphics are very simple, of course, and it's a little point and click game. And it maybe takes 20 minutes to go through. And it was when I reflected, I was like, wow, of all the things that I made, that's one thing that I'm most proud of. Um, that that I really enjoy sharing with people. Um, so when I started my new job and, and you know I was I had some free time on the weekends, I was like, okay, well, what do I want to tackle? And I said, well, I really liked this idea of creating these small, the small little adventure game where that's point and click. That you you know the graphics are very simple and you know that's uh, you can get through it very quickly. So it doesn't take a lot of investment of someone's time if they want to try. Uh, you know, you don't have to you don't have to dedicate hours and hours and days and days to a game. Um, so I said, okay, let me make a, a game engine where you can do that. Um, and originally, I thought it, this game engine would re- you you would have to be a programmer to use it. But once if you were a programmer, you could use this and make your own adventure games. Um, and then last year, um, in about I think it was June of last year, uh, Super Mario Maker Two came out. And so I was talking with my girlfriend and I was and she was getting excited about she's not a programmer and she was getting excited that, you know, oh, I can make adventure games. And and I said, yeah, you know, whatever you want to make, you can make. You just have to get me to program it for you and I I can program it for you. And then when Mario Maker 2 came out, um, I kind of like rethought that I was like, this is silly. Like, what a shame it is that someone, you know, to restrict that. You know, I'm always thinking of my girlfriend, but but really, it's anyone who doesn't who doesn't either have the time or doesn't have the passion to learn how to program. Like, why not make something where anyone can make an adventure game? Why does it have to always be a programmer? So that was sort of the genesis of the idea. Um, so I so I retooled, and um, ever since then, I've been trying to make it as simple as possible, so that it does require very little bit of coding, but it's it's designed so that um, any beginner can pick it up. And um, hopefully it succeeds in that to where people feel free to be able to create whatever they want and then they can share. And, you know, like I said, um, you'll be I'll uh, release my own games through there so people can play my games and open them up and see how I made them and and hack them away. You know, maybe change the graphics or change the logic um, and then learn how to use the tool and uh, and hopefully create. I assume it'll be a small community, but. Um, of people who just trade adventure games. I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, but you never know, because there there are other uh, studios and software that allow people to make games and adventure games. There's, of course, AGS and Unity and a bit of Game Maker. Now, I'm by no means an expert on these. Uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference. Uh, maybe some differences, but not to go into detail. Um, right. So, what, I don't know if you're aware of, 
of the, or if you know much about these other, if you've tried to use these other software uh, systems. So um, now you've mentioned as well with your software that you would like beginners to be able to make their own adventure games with it. Um, do, do you think it's possible with the other software like AGS as well, or are they? Do you know if they're more difficult or challenging? Um, from what you know. I, yeah, I haven't played with AGS. I've I've gone to the website and I've looked at the screenshots, mm. and I know that um, people. I know uh, the Crimson Diamond. I think um, I can't remember the creator's name. I think yeah, she's, Ju- Julia Minamata. Yes. Yeah, I, I believe she's using AGS. Um, so right, I think yeah. it's 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 totally possible, and if people want to use that, go right ahead. So, but from my perspective, um, you know, there's sort of this trade-off between, um, you know, how complicated the tool is and what you can accomplish with it, right? So AGS, in my mind, I view is is more complicated, but you can do more with it, right? You can make mm. uh, things that are that are you know puzzles that are a lot more complicated. Um, so I'm trying to sort of um, make things more simple um, so that it's easy for anyone to pick up and use and everything's all self-contained. And, but, you know, the trade-off there is that, okay, you won't be able to make, you know, you won't have a character walking around on the screen necessarily, right? The idea is it's going to be a first person um, point and click because first person graphics are a lot easier to make than animating characters walking around and and, and things like that. So that's, those are the sorts of trade-offs that I'm trying to make so that it's, people can make games quickly. Um, so so uh, just like I said with the game that I made in a week, I would love if people could uh, make a game in a couple days using my tool versus um, something like AGS I'm imagining you, you would take weeks and months and maybe years to make a game with. Um, I want to shorten that time and you know make more compact games. Um, that's, that's my idea at least. Right, so that, that sounds great because I'm sure there are a lot of people like me who would like to make an adventure game even if it's a small adventure game just so we could say yeah i made an adventure game it might be very small but you know we're we're now made it but then with i've i've looked around the other tools and as you say they're you know with ags almost anyone could use it but you do need i believe to have some knowledge and skills to use it that i don't have currently and i don't have the time really to learn uh how to do it um but uh, so you mentioned it would be first-person adventure games to, that you would make. So how? what is your idea? How would you go about making it? So would you have all of the tools on the screen then itself, you know, to have the objects? And so I suppose if you, if my question is, you know, to bring us through how to create a scene, an adventure game first. And sure. How, how would that work using your, your software? Sure. So I guess technically it doesn't have to be first person. That's just how I'm imagining it. How it it actually works is that um, there's uh, four, four, like four tabs, basically. The first tab is where you can create the scene. So this is where it's just like a normal paint tool where you can draw whatever you want. um, And there's layers. Um, And so the, you might, for example, you might draw on the bottom most layer, um, you know, uh, um, the inside or the inside of a room with a shelf or something, and then what? And then as a layer on top of that, you might put an uh, an item on that shelf, um, and maybe you want to make it so you can click and pick up that item, for example. So the scene, you would just have two layers. You would have the background layer, and then you would have the layer on top, which is the can sitting on the shelf. Um, 
Then the second tab is, this is where you would be um, uh, creating behavior. Um, so, th so the first thing you would do is you would, you would uh, overlay a mask on the entire screen um, and then fill in blobs. And this is where you can click on the screen. So maybe the background blob is just gray and that's everything else. But the can that's sitting on the shelf, you blob that out as yellow, for example. And then you, um, and then you add an event which says, when the user uses the hand icon on the yellow blob, then I want to be able to pick up the can. Um, so that will drop you into a script that you would write the code for that. And the code would be um, if, if the user has not grabbed the can yet, then hide that layer that shows the can and then add the can to the inventory, right? So it would be three lines of code. Now, um, if you're not, I'm used to programming, right? I program all the time. So to me, that's very easy, but I know with people who are new or people who, like I said, just aren't interested in programming for whatever reason, um, that's a, that could be a big stretch for someone. So that's why I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible. Um, um, so that would be the, the, the three lines of code that you would write. Um, and what it would do is it would, when the, when the player is interacting with it, um, and they use the item, hiding that layer means exactly what it would in the editor. It just means that layer disappears and you see the blank shelves behind it. Um, the third tab is items that you can have in your inventory. So in, in our example, you would create an item in your inventory called a can or something like that. And, and all that is, is it's just an image and it's something that can sit on the right-hand side in your little uh, bag of bag of items. And that's, and that's all it is. And um, the fourth tab is, is all dedicated to making music. Um, so the music is kind of its own separate uh, system. And um, you can make uh, little sound effects or you can make uh, full, uh, you know, full uh, songs and then you can play music in the background. So that's really the first three tabs are kind of like the how the system interacts. Um, and the challenge, you know, it is restrictive, but I think part of that restrictiveness breeds creativity at the same time. So I think, you know, you know, having restrictions is is good. You know, people sometimes think of it as bad because you can't do a lot of things. But I, you know, there, there's there's also a good side to that, which is it forces you to um, be creative about how you want to create puzzles. And like I said, I plan on shipping the game with a bunch of examples so people can see how different types of puzzles can be made with it. Um, but hopefully that makes sense. That sort of flow. No, it it definitely does. I think it's uh, it's it's it, at least to me, it seems to make a lot of sense that it's, it seems to be very clear uh, uh, from what he said. And also as what he said about it being restricted. I, I understand people saying, no, we don't want restrictions. But I think in this case, especially if you're completely new to programming or making games, I think it is it can be really good to just show you just at least the very basics. You know, this is how you make at least this adventure game, you know, adding the objects here and um, and then with different tabs that are there. So it's, at least it, it seems like it's something that even I could do. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, uh, because like that, that's kind of the point, too, is is I want people to to feel free. Right. I, I struggle because I've always programmed my entire life, so it's hard for me to imagine um, what it's like for a non-programmer. Um, but, but I think it's really important. Like, it seems so unfair to me that programmers are the only people who get to make games. Like, that seems so, right. like, 
obviously that's not 100% true, but you know, on some level, it's like, why do, why, everyone has good ideas. How come only programmers get allowed to express their ideas? You know what I mean? That seems really unfair. So I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to bridge that gap. Um, and hopefully, hopefully I succeed. We'll see. It'll, it'll probably be a while until it's a demos release, but, but, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. Right now, but it's, uh, as I said, it's, it, you know, it, it does sound like it would be easy that it's, um, intuitive enough for someone like me to be able to mention that, you know, to, only well, mainly programmers or people who can program make games uh, now. Although now there are a lot more tools available that if we had more time we could study them and learn about them. Right. But again, when when I looked briefly at AGS and Unity and Game Maker and other things, I think they are great. I think we've had great games using those tools, and certainly, well, I mean, certainly AGS. There would be some amazing games with that, and. But again, they felt too complicated for me. That, and I'm sure if I had the time to really go into them and do them, but I, I think I need something like this to be able to get me to know the basics. Right, so, right. This is perfect for me, and I'm guessing a lot of other people as well. Um, then, yeah, and maybe, and maybe it would be an introduction to some people too. It's sure. Like, okay, okay. You know, for some people, it's all I just want to make a few um, small games. But you know, if someone gets passionate about it. And they they can prototype an, an idea in in something like Spook Show Studio, and then go, you know what? I want to I want to make this a, a a larger game, and then use a tool like AGS and take the time to learn it because they've you know they prototype something and they've gotten they've gotten the idea out and they feel confident. Um, so that's possible too, you know. Yeah, definitely, you get something out there, learn the basics, and then once we use this, maybe we can go on to AGS or Unity or Game Maker or something once we know more of the basics, but. It definitely sounds, you know, sounds like something that I'd definitely be very interested in. And uh, then you mentioned as well with with music that one of the tabs you can put in music is music already included with the software, or can you put in, shall we say, your own music from if you have some saved in the computer or any other music as well in the game? Is that possible, or is the music already in the software and the sound effects? Um. So I plan. My plan is to ship the software with um, all those sound effects built in. Um, okay. So, so um, one of the, re- there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is, you know, I, I am a little bit nervous about copyright. I don't want, people, I don't want people to just drop songs in there that, you know, and then people are getting in trouble. Now, of course, I'm sure people will be creating, you know, when you have a creative tool, someone's always going to abuse it or they'll create a Mario adventure. And obviously, you know, that's against copyright. So I can't police everything. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I did want to kind of in, in some ways make it all self-contained. So to try and discourage um, abuse in, in that capacity. But I do plan on sh- I'll make all the sound effects and, and um, I plan on having a bunch of different instruments. Some of them, you know, I. I can make sound effects of doors opening or, or you know, uh, things thumping around or, you know, zombies moaning and and make the, all of that available so that people can use those that in their games. Um, I also I, as a ho- another hobby of mine, which is I like to make synthesizers. So I like to program synthesizers for uh, the computer. Now, I'm not a professional uh, synthesizer, you know, musician in that in that capacity, but it's something I do for fun and I can make. You know, I can make the same sounds that a Nintendo makes or, you know, I can do FM synth. I know how to do FM synthesis, which is what the Sega Genesis, that's the same technology that Sega Genesis used. So I plan on uh, shipping with a bunch of instruments that uh, 
have have those sorts of sounds um, because that's uh, within my um, you know something I feel like I can accomplish. Um, so so the idea is that everything will be there, and I'm kind of curious to see again with this idea of restrictions. It's like yet yeah, no, you can't import any uh, sound file that you want. But, you know, if, if I provide a thousand sound effects or something like that, I'd be curious to see, you know, how people can use them creatively to, you know, accomplish what their, you know, whatever their game idea is. So, Right, because that, as you mentioned, that was my next question was about copyright. So it seems like that, that solves this problem then. If all the sounds and music and everything are already in the software, then we won't have copyright issues. <laughs> we won't be getting cease and desist letters. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, you know, there's always going to be abuse. There's going to be people mm -hmm. who make inappropriate games or, you know, offensive games. It's, it's, it's the Internet. You really can't control that sort right. of thing. Um, so... I haven't decided yet if I'm going to um, make a service for sharing the games or if just rely on people to share the files themselves. I'll probably start by just making it so people just share the files between themselves. There won't be one central service that everyone can go to. Um, and that means that I don't have to do any sort of censoring for, for really bad content and people can just feel free to do whatever they want and share. I mean, really, they could make copyright infringing things and share with their friends um, and it wouldn't, it, it's on them at that point. It wouldn't really be um, up to me. But if I make a central service where people are sharing games through one website or something like that, then I would have to um, be more, you know, uh, aware of, you know, I don't know if it would be content rating. Oh, this, this has nudity. You can't have, you know, that means it's a certain rating and we don't want kids to be able to, you know, download certain things. I don't know. Um, that's, that's down the line. Um, so, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll figure that out when I get there. It's kind of how I think about it. <laughs> and maybe maybe I won't want to even, you know, maybe I won't even want to deal with that. And maybe I'll just say, okay, everyone just trade files um, because it just makes it, you know, a lot easier. And like I said, I have a full-time job. This is something I'm doing part-time just for fun. Sure. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I want to be the police of everyone's creative expression. That doesn't sound like a very fun thing to do on my end. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, we'll see how it evolves. Um, but right, yeah, I, I, I would prefer people just share things between themselves. But yeah, that's I also must be a, yeah. a balancing act that you, yeah. you don't want to censor them, but then again, you don't want anything inappropriate or offensive. That, that yeah, that's be there. I, but. If, if there was a rating system so parents could say, oh, you know, for my child, anything, you know, uh, you know, in, in the U.S., we our, our rating system is for, for film is like PG-13 or something like that. And no R-rated uh, content for my, you know, whatever, my 12-year-old who, you know, is using this program. Um, maybe it would be something like that. I, I don't know. I, th this is still, I guess in my mind, this is, it's all yeah, but it's, it's, this is going to be maybe two or three years down the line. I still have to make the whole thing, so I'm more focused on that at this point. Right. Okay, and um, no, that, that sounds good. And then now we were talking about building the scene as well, putting the item on the shelf and that. Do you need to have any real artistic skills to be able to create the objects for the game and the items for the game? Or can you just you know, click and drag or add them, or how, how does that work? Do you need to have some artistic skills to be able to, say, uh, 
make a, like a tape recorder actually look like a tape recorder? <laughs> um, yeah. So how it works today is um, it's just like a like a Microsoft Paint or something like that, but it's a really low resolution. Um, I think the resolution is of the actual scene is something like 280 by 170 around there. Um, so it's a very low resolution, which means it's it's if you want to make something look really good, it takes a lot of practice and skill because that's the pixel art um, sort of aesthetic. But if you look at some of the screenshots that I have on my website, for example, I am no artist. I'm no great artist. Um, I'm just dragging, you know, I make the lines and I use the fill bucket basically is all I do. Um, so I would like to, there's no, I don't have any pre-built images, right? So there's no like, oh, let me grab the tape recorder from the image library and drag it in. I, I'm not doing something like that. Um, it'll just be whatever people can create with lines and, and, and you know, like uh, drawing in a MS Paint and rectangles and stuff like that. So um, I think if, if someone wants to be, you know, I, I'm sure someone much more talented than me could make a really, something really beautiful from it. Um, but you know, I think most people, um, you know, I want to encourage this idea of you don't have to be perfect to make a fun adventure game, right? You don't have to be this perfect artist that does these beautiful things. Um, just jump in and create something and whatever it is, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, this is amateur hour, but that's kind of the point is like, you know, you have to start somewhere, right? Everyone has to start exactly. somewhere. So, so start and have fun. And, and, you know, it's okay that your stuff doesn't look, you know, amazing. You know, you, you know, if, if it's something that interests you, you can build to that eventually, but, you know, just have fun. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I agree what you said that even if it doesn't have triple a graphics if it's something that you're enjoying and you get your start as well uh, other yeah. people can enjoy as well i think that that should that should be the main point of the experience right. um but yeah and then with uh, you you mentioned as well that you for for the items you'd need to add about three lines of code, which should be easy, I imagine, because I've worked a little bit with code. I'm by no means an expert, and I don't know right. a huge amount, but I have worked a little bit. So I would imagine for most people, if you... I know that some people, at least I was before, when I just heard the word code, and I would go, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. But I think if people <laughs> try you know, a little bit, they should be able to. But will there be bit of code we have to do throughout the game to make the game actually work or is it possible not to use any code at all for anybody who's absolutely terrified of the word and will shrink away right. from it or how would you say that that i know it's still very early <laughs> i appreciate with some of these questions <laughs> that it's still very early in the, right. in the process because i'm as i said i'm really curious about this so. <laughs> but yeah, what, yeah what is what is your idea about this right now um about how much code we need to use to make the game um yeah so i modeled the programming language off of basic um which is um for people who have never coded basic is is a language that a lot of people learn to code in for for the very first time that's what i learned when i was uh, 12 years old i learned qbasic um and um so that's what i modeled the language after um, so the the intention is that it's very easy to pick up. And like I said, um, I also want to ship with a bunch of games that have examples. But um, I am aware that maybe there are some people who are just like, you know, you say code and their eyes glaze over and they're just not, you know, they just shut down. They're, they're like, oh, I can't do this for. And even if they might be able to do it if they try, but just the idea of it is just too intimidating. 
Um, so I thought um, if there are a lot of people like that, then I might be able to make like a more simplified mode, like a beginner mode or something like that um, down the line. Um, so, so I think that is possible. I have to kind of gauge how people react. Um, but I plan on, you know, the first release or the first demo or, you know, whatever I release out to the public first will, will just be the coding um, experience. And then if I get a lot of feedback that, oh, this is great, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable coding or, oh, this isn't, you know, this is too hard. Then maybe I would go back and kind of revisit that and make like a beginner's mode um, that wouldn't involve coding at all. But I have to gauge um, what people say about it. Right. Well, you have a good play tester in your girlfriend who you said is not a programmer, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm curious to see what she makes. She'll make them. <laughs> she got really excited last year, and she's been excited. She's been watching me develop it, and she's been really excited. She just, just keeps nagging me. Hey, when will, when will it be ready? I want to make something. I want to make something. I'm like, trust me, I want to make something too. Trust me, I'm, I'm just as eager as you are. So, um, yeah, it'll. Uh, she, she's very excited and I, I kind of use her as, you know, when I think of someone who has uh, creative ideas, but, you know, the, you know, like you said, you know, someone who eyes glaze over when you start talking about coding. Um, so I kind of have her in, in my mind as, as that template. So if she can do it, then I think I've done a good job. Um, so that's my hope. Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, I'm also excited. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, I want to find out more. When is this ready? Can I make a game now? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I will try not to nag you too much over the next couple of months and years, I promise. But <laughs> but no, and I, I do generally believe that I think a lot of people could be really interested in this because we see how many adventure games are being made right now. But just imagine all the people who can't make games, who are not programmers, but who want to. Right. And... I think there could be a lot more, even if they're simple games that take five, ten minutes, even to just put something out there, to just put something that you create and that other people are playing the game. At least for me, this would be like the pinnacle of my uh, very short, I'm sure, game developer career. It's like, yes, there's a one scene and players move around in it. It's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> But, but even like, because like you said at the beginning, I've always wanted to make an adventure game. So even that would be like, well, it's something. And it's a start at least as well. So right. um, so then I wanted to ask you a little bit about the interface of the game itself. So when you make the game, you said it was probably first person or probably be short game. So how would people be able to play the game? So what would the interface be be like? Would it be... Um, I don't know, you know, that to to interact with objects and to walk around as well. Do is there walking and you know the uh, uh, icons? Yes, that's the word. Or how, yeah. how would people be able to to play the games? Um, so the how the play screen. So so I'm sort of modeling this after Super Mario Maker again, even though it's obviously not a platforming game. Um, so I have a little play icon in the left, uh, bottom left corner. And the idea is you would click on that and you would immediately jump into the game. And the game will have um, a hand icon on the left and an eye icon on the left. So the hand is for interacting with things, the eye is for looking at things, obviously. Um, and the hand icon can also be used for traveling um, to different uh, rooms. Then on the right side is a, a long list of all your inventory items that you've picked up along the way. Um, 
Now, the the actual game itself doesn't have to be first person. I'm just imagining it as first right. person because <laughs> because the animations are very the animation the way animations work in the in the engine are very simple. So I don't think it's reasonable to do a third person uh, game, for example, because you wouldn't be able to have a character walking around on the screen and and you directing them like in King's Quest or something like that. That wouldn't be possible. Um, with with the game engine, so I'm imagining it'll mostly be first person, something you know, along like Mist or something like that. But um, as far as animations between the scenes, um, there is like a very basic animation. Actually, where I got inspiration from it is I don't know if you ever played like Shadowgate or uh, Deja Vu on the old NES. Um, so I I think the those games have their aesthetic. I just love their, I think the games themselves are very hard and kind of annoying, but the aesthetic, I really love the simple graphics and the animation between scenes and the simple items on the screen. Um, so that sort of aesthetic is sort of what I'm going for. Those are first person games too. Um, so there is a basic animation of like a, a kind of like a fade to black in the shape of an arrow. So if you're going to turn right, it, you know, the arrow is pointing to the right, it fades to black and then the next scene kind of fades in. Um, so that, that's, that's the idea for animation and you would travel, uh, the idea you could travel, uh, there's no real restrictions on how you, how, uh, you travel in the game, but, um, the intention is that people use the hand icon. So when you have, if you, uh, play my demo of as luck may have it on my website, that's the same sort of feel where when you're using the hand icon and you hover over a door, for example, the icon changes to an arrow indicating that you can go that way. Um, and then you would just click and it would do the animation and then you're in the new, in the new location. Um, so that's the idea. Okay. Yeah, no, that's what I, I just see a screenshot here now. What, what I like about the interface, as you mentioned, is it's not intrusive. It's not on the screen. It doesn't take away from the screen. There's mentioned on the left-hand side, you have the icons on the right-hand side, you have the inventory, the list of inventory, but you can still see the, the full screen of the, um, of the game. So, because you know, there's some games where the I, I don't like in some games where the inventory takes up half the screen or the icons as well, and it yeah. it kind of takes yeah. me out. So this this here that seems you know that that seems good uh, at least from what I can see. Um, then yeah, and then is there now you mentioned as well there could be you know could be third person but not exactly King's Quest but I think from what I see first person at least to start off with might be the best option at least for me because I think for me <laughs> as well right. um, then is there can you meet other characters uh, now I, I imagine there won't be huge animations of other NPCs but is it possible to add any NPCs or any other characters even if it's just if they're behind the desk or something, or if they don't move or anything, or right. is is that possible right now? Do you think, again? I know it's still very early. <laughs> uh, yeah. So development is early, but the design, I, I I can talk a lot more about the design. So how it's designed is that there are a per uh, everything's broken up into rooms, and for a single room. Um, you'll have the ability to make three animations along with the background images, basically. So um, the animations you can make be um, basically whatever you want. You could, as long as it's uh, something that's not, um, you know, if you think of like King's Quest, for example, the character can move anywhere on the screen and it's sort of directed by the user. 
Um, so that's that's more complicated. But you could do something like, oh, there's a person behind a cash register and they whatever they pick their nose every uh, every two seconds or something like that. You could do something like that. Um, and then you could write the code that allows the player to interact with that person, right? Um, you could make it so when you click on them, they they say something to you or something like that. And the animation would loop over and over again. So you can do animations like that where it's sort of like it stays in one place um, or, or it repeats or, or uh, something like that. But, but you can't do, um, you know, I keep using King's Quest as an example because... Um, you know that I have the most experience with all of it right. <laughs> in my head right now. But you could, you know, I remember one of them where the uh, you're going around on the screen and a, and a witch appears out of nowhere and tries to capture you, and you have to run away. Something like that, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't really be able to do uh, very well um, because that, that's something that um, it's it's something that's moving dynamically, right? It mm. depends on so many things versus something that stays in place and kind of animates in one little area. Um, those those sorts of things you could do. Right, that would be more complicated, I imagine. So to add, to add something like the witch, that would certainly be outside of my capabilities anyway. So, but even if I had a character there, as you said, if they just picked their nose every two seconds, I would be. Then I thought, yeah, I created that. Right, right. <laughs> and then with with dialogue, so we mentioned well, we mentioned as well that you ha would have the sound effects and the music there as well. And I'm curious as well, I mean, I assume that there won't be voice acting included because that would probably be a lot of work, but would it be possible, do you think? And again, I know with copyrights, probably not possible, but would it be possible for people to put in their own voice acting uh, from themselves or is the voice acting possible? And again, I understand that this is probably going to be too complicated, uh, but again, I'm just curious if you think that would be possible at some point. Um, I think it's technically possible. So the so the question is really, is that something that you know, is that something that um, is desirable? Um, so um, I understand. Like, um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. So if there is a demand for something like that, I could add something like that. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm someone who's very hesitant hesitant to add features. Um, mm. I like to keep features as small as possible, and the reason for that is because um, maybe maybe you feel comfortable doing voice acting. You're you know you you do podcasting, and this is something that you do that you're very comfortable with. Um, but maybe someone else doesn't feel comfortable doing that. Um, so it's you know I want to eliminate. Um, as many features as I can while still being compelling and still being interesting and still being able to make good puzzles and things like that so that people can sort of feel on a level playing field. You know what I mean? Um, sure. That makes, yes. So that everyone, people can feel like they can contribute without being like, Oh, well, I don't, you know, you know, someone they're, they're doing amazing stuff. I don't, you know, I don't feel like I can really compete with that. I don't want to participate in this. You know, I want to be, uh, have a more open attitude where, Hey, if, if you suck at making graphics, that's okay. If you suck at making music, that's okay. Like let's, you know, let's just make things to have fun. You know, it's a game. Let's have fun. So exactly. that's sort of, yeah, that's sort of my design uh, sensibility. But like I said, if people demand, if people say, Hey, you know what, this would really be, this is a feature that we would really love then. Uh, yeah. I can add stuff like that. Um, um, but it would just, I'm, I'm always hesitant. I, I kind of, my default position is no, 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 no. But obviously if there is, um, you know, people who are like, Hey, this would actually add a lot of value. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Okay. I'll, I'll add that. Something like that. 
No, of course, yeah. No, it's, I think that would be more um, it's desirable rather than what needs to happen because there are a lot of adventure games that don't have any voice acting and are still really good. So right. it's something that's not really necessary for an adventure game. Something that's like, oh, it would be, be nice to have, but not completely necessary, not essential. Right, right. Um, right. But, but yeah, no, definitely. And then... But it's possible then to have dialogue and writing in the game with the characters as well. Would that be with the behaviors or would that be included in the, the final tab? Um, yeah, that will be with the with the behaviors. So it can be intermixed with code because, for example, you might want to do, um, you know, if you pester someone and you and you ask them something over and over again or you use an item with them over and over again, maybe you want them to say something different. Um, so if you look at my screenshots, I have it working now where you can embed these text boxes intermixed yes. with the code. So you can you can have like an if statement that wraps a particular text box so that maybe, I don't know, you could say something like if they've asked me more than three times, then I can then the text box should say leave me alone or something like that. Um, so you'll be able to do logic like that because it'll be intermixed with the code. Sure, yeah. Okay, no, I, I see the screenshots. Yeah. So, and then regarding the puzzles themselves, so now we mentioned about using items as well. What kind of puzzles in general will people be able to create? So I imagine there'll be mostly item or inventory puzzles, but will there be other puzzles? You know, like the, some people like them, but the logic puzzles, uh, any mazes or anything. I mean, I hope that people won't include maybe too many of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, yeah, so, so the main puzzles will be like these, I would imagine, are these inventory object puzzles. That's sort of that's like fine. the design. Yeah, that's sort of the design. Um, that's sort of the intention. But I do have, I'm, I'm, I have in the designs, I have, uh, for example, something that, uh, a behavior that runs every second that you can put anything. So that could that could allow people to do timing puzzles, for example, but it would be at the granularity of one second. So maybe you have whatever, 10 seconds to get to a location or something like that. You could do a puzzle like that. Um, it Really, it's about clicking on, you know, it, it's point and click. So um, you, for example, in my, uh, my prototype game that's on my website that I've been talking about, As Luck May Have It, um, in that game, you collect fuses and you use these fuses to power up different parts of the of this gas station that you're stuck at. Um, so, so a puzzle like that, you're using inventory, right, to do something like that, but you're not really thinking of it in terms of an inventory object puzzle because you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to use this 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 unique item in this unique situation. You're not really thinking that. You're thinking, oh, which lights do I, you know, which ele which electrical things do I want to turn on and turn off. Um, to accomplish my goals. So you can make puzzles like that where you're still using the inventory, but it's 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 not like, um, you know, I don't know, um, you know, in, in King's Quest, you use like a, a, an iceberg lettuce to cool a, a really hot pool. You know what I mean? It's, you know, you can make puzzles like that, but you, you also can make puzzles where it's like, hey, you have three fuses and you have to choose which of these uh, five things that you want to power up with these three fuses. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that that makes sense. And yeah, again, it's to probably keep things simple at first, at least, is to yeah. uh, to to try and uh, you know implement it. So um, 
no, that that makes sense for me at least. And then I I don't know if you've mentioned this as well, but are you planning on having a tutorial at the very beginning to show people who use it uh, where all the tabs are, what they all do, and how to use it? Um, or will there be any guides or anything to to help people use it? At first? Um, yeah, so I'm gonna I've, I have documentation that I'm gonna ship with, but that's obviously very boring. You don't want to sit there and read this really long document <laughs> to be able to use a game. So at the very least, I'll be making probably YouTube videos. I imagine of a 10 minutes of oh, you know, let me walk through a very simple game. Let's make a game together. Um, something like that. Um, it would be great if I could also add in-game tutorials, um, which I might do, but that that takes more effort than like a YouTube mm. video. A YouTube video I could probably make in an afternoon or something like that. Um, so I'll definitely, um, you know, to get to get the software out the door sooner, I'd probably uh, do that at first, and then maybe as time goes on, create in-game tutorials so that people can sort of, uh, you know, they get little pop-ups everywhere and, and kind of explain things um, as you go. Um, Cool. Yeah, I use I, I use Mario Maker as sort of that's sort of my gold mm. standard. Since <laughs> this is what's really inspired me uh, to like create it this way. So um, Mario Maker does have um, they have I mean obviously it's Nintendo they have a huge team of people and you know they ha they have a lot of in-game things that uh, kind of walk you through how to create stuff. So at some point I'll probably uh, steal some of their ideas, but at the very beginning I'll probably just do a YouTube video or you know walkthroughs and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, no, I think, I think uh, it would help visually as well if it's a YouTube video, as you mentioned, if it's rather than just a guide that people right. can see as they're making a game, they can go along and do it as well. Now, if it's me, I'll probably do something completely different, which always mm -hmm. happens. You know, if you're following, following a recipe book and it's like, why doesn't my cake look <laughs> like this? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm definitely really curious about um, about this. And I'm uh, just trying to think what what other thing. Do you, will this uh, software when it's released? Uh, will it be open source? To start with, I plan on charging. I don't know. Like I said, my goal is not to make like a bunch of money on this or anything sure. like that. But, this is what but I you're do working very hard on this, so. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. So I thought, you know, I'll probably put it up on Steam for five bucks or maybe eight bucks or something like that to start with. Um. And. Uh, you know, start start there and, and see how it goes. Um, and then eventually, probably a couple of years down the line, I'd probably open source it um, because I would want people to, to uh, you know, it always uh, really sucks when you create something and then the platform that you created on like evaporates, right? That's a really terrible right. thing to happen. It's like, oh, wow, you know, even if it's even if it's something that you only spend, you know, a couple days on. It's like, hey, I made this when I was 14 and I'm really proud of this and I want to play it again. And it's like, boy, would that suck to, you know, you invest time in something and then you can't access it anymore. I really hate that. Um, I'm really big into preservation um, when it comes to video games and stuff like that. Um, just because I, you know, I played a lot of games in the 80s and 90s that I love and a lot of the stuff I can't play anymore, which really stinks. Um, right. So I definitely I definitely have that concern. And I, and I would never, um, if I, for example, if I decided... Four years from now, you know what? I'm going to make a new game. I'm done with Spook Show Studio. I would release it open source, right? The idea, you know, just have fun with it. And um, like I said, this is not the intention. Is not that this is going to be my living or, or something like that. Um, um, I plan on charging at the very beginning, um, but other, you know, at, at some point, I'm sure I'll just release it 
out, out into the wild. But I think that's fair enough because you're putting a lot of time and effort into it, and this is your creation, which I think will help a lot of people. So I think it's yeah, fair enough to that people can you know should pay to to use it. It's uh it, you know if you're putting your your time into it. So yeah, I I agree entirely with that. Um and but I think uh, you've answered all of my questions about the software itself. I don't know if. Because I think other questions will be kind of repeating sure. ourselves. Um, but before we talk a little bit about your game, because I'm curious about that as well, is there anything at all about the software that we haven't covered that I haven't asked about that you would like to talk about or mention? Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm just, uh, the you know, the only thing that I, I would guess I would ask from your uh, listeners is to, you know, just realize that this is something I'm doing because I love doing it. Right. So mm -hmm. it's not like I'm not a professional studio or anything like that. I have a full-time job and I do this because this is just fun. This is just something fun for me to do and to spend my free time on. So right. it's going to, it's going to take a while before it's released <laughs> and I'll just keep hammering it away at it and I'll keep releasing screenshots and newsletters and, you know, you can follow along if you're interested, but it'll probably be another year or two before there's there's something people can play with. Unfortunately, now if I quit my job, I could do it a lot quicker. But I'm <laughs> need to pay my bills, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. I. I mean, I would say as much as I want this to be released, I don't want you to be in trouble paying your bills or yeah. for, you know, for food or healthcare or anything. I still want you to be able to pay for yeah. those important things. So, right. <laughs> so I, I can wait, you know, we'll all have yeah. to wait. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, yeah, where, where can people, well, first of all, actually, Dan, you mentioned that you had a game as well as luck may have it. Was this made with the Spook Show studio, correct? No, no. So no, it's not, as, oh, sorry. I, yeah as, luck, as, yeah, as luck may have it is a is a prototype that I made um, a couple years ago, and it just works in the browser, so you can load it up on uh, in your on your desktop computer. You can go to it um, on my website, uh, Sean.cm, and it's free, and you can just play through it. It takes maybe 20 minutes to go through it. Um, it's very low resolution graphics, and um, it was just it was just something I made just for fun, just to challenge myself. And like I said, during that same time period, I made a bunch of other games, but that was the one that I felt kind of most like I had completed and I felt the most proud of. There's no music and 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 the puzzles are one 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 puzzle people kind of struggle on that gets a little unfair, but mo most of it I've gotten good feedback on. <laughs> okay. So you have one puzzle at least that's challenging. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's you know I, I tried to make it. Um, well, I don't. If people want to play it, they can play it, and then if they get stuck, y'all can hit me up on Twitter or something, and I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is. But right, how do we get past this? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a short little game that I made, and that's what served as sort of the inspiration. So I'm going to make. I've sort of remastered that game in a way, and that's sort of been my demo game as I build Spook Show Studio. That's sort of the game I keep testing against. So I have updated graphics. Um, if you play the original game, the graphics are really low resolution. Um, the 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 demo that I'm working on for Spook Show Studio has, uh, you know, it's it's at a higher resolution, but it's the same. It's going to be the exact same game with the exact same puzzles and stuff like that. That's going to be the first game as I sort of uh, get all the kinks out and get it working. Um, that's the idea there. Sure. Well, I look forward to checking that out. And do do you plan on uh, 
releasing maybe a, a demo some point, some at some point of the software. And again, I know that this is still very early on, so I'm not going to ask you for a specific date or anything. <laughs> but um, do you plan on doing that, or do you still plan on just continuing until you release the full software whenever it's ready? Uh, no, I think I'll probably end up doing a demo, and likely what I'll do is I'll release, um, you know. Like I said, I don't know for certain, but I'm imagining maybe a year from now releasing three point and click games along with the editor, but you won't be able to save anything, but you'll be at least at least be able to play with it and kind of see how it works as a free demo. Um, I'll probably do something like that and, um, you know, get a get a get a trailer up on Steam and get a, be, allow people to wish list it and stuff like that. That'll probably be maybe a year from now, roughly. Um, OK, that's kind of a the vague idea. Now we'll see if that actually happens, but that's kind of what I have in my head right now. Okay. No, that sounds good. Well, I look forward to, to using the software. I'll definitely be using it. I'll definitely be getting it when it's released because even if I make with one or two screens, I can then say, I have my own adventure game. There you go. <laughs> and I'll, I'll charge 50 bucks for it. And <laughs> we'll see. I'll be a millionaire in no time. Yeah, take, take that Un uncharted Assassin's Creed and Red Dead Redemption 2. This, uh, this is a new masterpiece. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but there, where I suppose, where can people find out more about this uh, spook show, Stu? Because you mentioned that there's a, there's a newsletter that you have. Yeah, so my website is just spookshow.studio. Um, I also got spookshowstudio.com, um, which forwards to the to the other address. So it's just spookshow.studio. And on that page, you can um, uh, subscribe to the newsletter, which I send out once a month. And there are screenshots, so you can just get an idea of what the game is about. And then if you follow me on Twitter, um, I'm Valipso on Twitter, which is V-E-L-I-P-S-O. There's a link to that on the website as well, obviously. And um, I, I post screenshots and I post GIFs and stuff like that on my Twitter. Um, so you can always, you know, just look through my history if you're curious about the stuff I posted. And yeah, yeah. Well, reach, I, reach out, reach out if you have any uh, comments or suggestions or anything like that. Sure. Yeah, I would definitely recommend because I have subscribed to the monthly updates, so I'm looking forward to that. And I follow you on Twitter and I see the screenshots and the progress. You're, make, you're making, which is exciting as well. So you'll, you'll have a think me, me and your girlfriend uh, try, trying not to nag you, but right. yeah, any, any progress? <laughs> any progress, Sean? How's it going? I know you have a full-time job and you have to pay yeah. all these bills and all, but yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm, I am really looking forward to this, but what I tell all developers, everyone is, you know, take your time, you know, release right. it when it's ready. Right. Uh, because you, you could have many people say, I want it now, I want it now. But it's like, no, take your time whenever <laughs> you think it's ready. Uh, where can people play your game as Look May Have It? Is that oh, available yeah. online? Yes, it is. That's on my, I have a different website. Now that I think about it, I should I should provide a link to it on spookshow.studio. But um, my personal website is sean.cm. So S-E-A-N dot C-M. And on there I have... Um, I have a bunch of different games, but as luck may have it is on there. And, and I also have like programming tutorials and stuff like that. Um, and I have, if people are interested in my adventures uh, living out of a van, I have a big write up on that as well. Um, oh, interesting. So yeah. So <laughs> more information about me, if you really want to go, go into my history and, and, you know, see where I come from, then you can, you know, lurk around on my web, my personal website. That's fine too. Feel free. 
Okay. No, that's definitely very interesting. So I definitely look forward to playing your game and then checking out uh, Spook Show Studio when it's released. Um, so I think that, again, that's all the questions that I have. It's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you. I'm definitely looking forward to your software whenever it's released and to making my own classic adventure to go along with the podcast. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I am sure everybody will love it. It will look amazing with some really great graphics and <laughs> puzzles. And <laughs> no, great music, yeah. To- oh, absolutely. But even to get something out there so I could tell people, yeah, I made an adventure game. I might, might have taken me, might take five minutes to play, but it's something. <laughs> uh, which, uh, yes. So, um, is there anything else you'd like to mention before we finish? Do people no, that's it. thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, this has been a blast. Uh, I always, you know, in my in my personal life, I don't get to talk about adventure games or anything like that, you know. So it's always nice to be able to talk with someone who's passionate about the same things I am. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No worries. I know exactly what you mean. Because <laughs> what what are adventure games? You mean like right. Tomb Raider, right? It's like okay. <laughs> no, well, th- thank you, Sean. It's been. I uh, look forward to chatting with you again. All right. Have a good one. So that was my interview with Sean Conley from Spook Show Studio. So I hope you enjoyed it, and a huge thank you once again to Sean for joining me. And I know I'll definitely be buying his software and definitely be using it when it's available. And um, if you want to find out more, if you want to stay up to date on the progress he is making, then you can find out more at bookshow.studio and you can follow him on Twitter. And again, the links are in the show notes. So best of luck, Sean, with the development of that. I'm sure a lot of people will be using it when it is available. As always, if you did enjoy this episode and this podcast, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can also, you can first of all help us out on Patreon if you so wish. If you would like to buy us um, the equivalent of a cup of coffee every month, you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash adventure games podcast. We are an independent podcast and we pay for everything ourselves. So uh, any help we get would be hugely appreciated and would be a huge help. And thank you to the current Patreon subscribers, they are helping to keep this podcast going and to help us improve the podcast as well. And as well as a return of gratitude, you'll also get some extra content, such as spoiler special episodes with developers of adventure games, such as The Walking Dead, The Final Season, Whispers of a Machine, and Interrogation, and more. Myself, Thomas, and Laura will also be uh, providing extra content. We'll have extra discussions as well. And you will also have early access to these episodes before they're publicly uploaded. Uh, You can also help us out in different ways. You can rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do so on Apple Podcasts or you can click the link below in the show notes, ratethispodcast.com forward slash adventure games podcast. And that will direct you to everywhere you can leave a review. And that would also be great. That would you just need to write one or two lines as well if you enjoy this podcast. That would really help get the word out. Um, you can also help by sharing this episode on different uh, platforms, different uh, forums and Reddit and Discord. As that will also help make people aware of this podcast. And you can follow us on our Twitter and our f- Facebook, Instagram and Discord as well. And uh, You can get in contact with us at info at Adventure Games Podcast. Anytime as well, if you have any feedback or if you have anything at all you'd want to say, 
um, you can feel free to contact us anytime there. So, as always, huge thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast and who has been in contact with us, who has encouraged us. Again, it's hugely, hugely appreciated. We do really appreciate all the kind words and all the people who check this podcast out. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you